0: and uh, it is a privilege to be with you this morning to get a chance to take us into the passage that was just read. I know that um, Melissa took a few moments to lead us in prayer and I am very grateful for that. Um, I love time spent in prayer. I would like to remind you of a couple things that I hope are on your prayer list as you move into this week. Um, one of the things that Stands out to me is, do you want me to switch, Prentice? Would you prefer that? It's okay. Would you prefer I take the handheld? Okay. Mom and dad are on the road, and uh, Sydney and Macy are here this morning, and I think uh, grandparents have been helping. Um, I know Eric's mom is here this morning and others to try and bring closure to their time here. Their involvement in this church has been amazing and wonderful, and they've left their fingerprints all over this place. Our desire is that as people leave, they still consider this their home church, (laughs) that this is a place that will continue to lift them up in prayer. So I hope that will be true for the Groves and for others that you know of this summer that are leaving and going some other place, that you will help us to extend the ministry of this place long past the four walls of these buildings and far beyond the boundaries of this city or county that uh, God's work's not bound in any fashion by those things. We also have... um, This week in our community, a very difficult situation, tragedy that took place down at the Yacht Club that's affected a number of the families in our church and certainly many in our community. And I'm grateful for the families and individuals that have stepped in strategically to minister in incredibly powerful ways. But let's pray for our community as the uh, healing process continues at the elementary school just down the street and as we try and care for the people in our community. I also want to make mention of the fact that just across our friendship plaza in Brown Chapel, where we often meet, the place has been transformed. You really ought to peek in there um, before you leave this morning if if the doors are unlocked. They have built inside that building a full-size pirate ship that somehow makes its way from the back all the way to the stage, I think the opening ceremonies are sometime this afternoon for the first service. There will be, in the six to eight weeks to come, hundreds of teenagers that are hearing the good news right over there. It's not just a matter of letting a camp, Hume Lake, or any other camp use our facility. We have the privilege of partnering in this by saying, yes, use the resources we have, Yes, come and be here, and yes, we'll be praying for you, the workers, the teens, the people who have a chance to share the good news and receive the good news, and we get to play a part in that. What an amazing privilege. So I encourage you to include that in your prayer time. Let that be part of how you lift up our community before the Lord. We're looking at a passage of scripture this morning. It's interesting, two Sundays in a row, just giving you a heads up. Jeremy Schulteis and I are doing a tag team. Jeremy is the pastor to Mid-High Teens and their families. And this morning in early service, Jeremy preached, and I'm preaching second service. Next week, I'll preach in first service, and Jeremy will speak in here. So we're doing kind of a tag team, and we're looking at the same passage. We're looking at Second Corinthians chapter 5. So, um, I had the privilege of hearing his message last hour and was contemplating completely rewriting mine to just say what he said because it was wonderful as he took us through verse by verse. The background, if you've been here previous week, you know a little bit about the background to this storyline that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is a letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth. I heard a um, pastor earlier this week who refers to these two letters as first and second Californians, which I thought was a great play on the word, but the reason behind it was exactly what I talked about last week, and that is that the culture and the city of Corinth bears such a resemblance to our city to many cities, but certainly our culture. The love of the arts, the passion for sports, the awareness of status, the economic opportunities and the wrestling with trying to find your piece of the pie to grab what is part of an economic shift within the environment. It is kind of a resurgence city, Corinth was, because it was decimated by the Romans in 146 B.C., but then it was recolonized by, by um, a later Roman emperor who invited in about 44 B.C. people from all over back to that location and it had a really strategic spot because of the trade routes that went through there. The culture, though, was so similar to ours that when we read, we can almost read as if this letter was written by Paul to us today. It is is Second Corinthians, but it's probably not the second letter of Paul. There are at least three letters, maybe as many as seven letters that came from Paul to this church, maybe more, but we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, a reference to a previous letter of tears is how it's often referred to. A letter where Paul labored over what had taken place in Corinth and some leadership that was mocking Paul um, said that his words were in many ways worthless, that his speech was weak, his letters came across as angry, so they... We're being challenged in Corinth to push Paul aside. So this letter that we read follows at least that second letter referred to in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul is writing a number of things. He's justifying his own ministry, but he's also calling for an interesting response from the church. There was a specific leader that was making it difficult for Paul, and Paul's very harsh, direct letter resulted in the church at Corinth calling that individual to accountability for his poor spirit, for his unchristlikeness, for the things that he taught. Now, Paul is encouraging them to be reconciled. Really interesting easy for him to be viewed as wishy-washy. I first told you to put that person in a place where his leadership wouldn't be destructive and now I'm telling you to seek reconciliation. But Paul thoroughly believed that that the call of Christ is a call of reconciliation. And so, in this particular passage, this chapter, we find that Paul identifies for all of us a ministry that he says we have, direct from God, and it's a ministry of reconciliation. The reconciling that takes place through Christ between us and God, and then the reconciliation that takes place in community between one another. So, in verse 16 of this passage, We find that God, that Paul says first and foremost, we have new eyesight. That new eyesight enables us to view others in a new way. Not through the means of this culture, but to view others through the cross. Jeremy does a great job with this particular verse and the few that follow. So I'm not going to spend much time here but I'm going to invite you to part two next week as he unfolds some of 16, 17, and 18 for us. But I'll just mention that in this passage, Paul says we have new eyesight. We are part of a new covenant, a new community. And that new community changes the way in which we view one another. Then thirdly, we have this ministry of reconciliation. And to describe all of that... In verse 20, Paul says that we are ambassadors for God. We are ambassadors for the kingdom. Now, that may not be very daunting to you, but it is a startling commentary for me to read. Because I have in my mind the kind of individual that I would select to be an ambassador, an ambassador from one country to the next. I don't know if you can think in your memory of any ambassadors that you know of. There are some who have been rather famous, some who have had famous lives prior to becoming ambassadors. They went into politics and then got an assignment to another country. I'm not sure if you fully understand the role an ambassador plays, but the ambassador in another country becomes the voice of this country in that location. Speaks on behalf of the president of the United States. Or if the ambassador is to the United States from another country speaks on behalf of the leader, the prime minister, or the president of that country, there's a wonderful billboard on. Um, Rosecrans, there's a picture of a man and you're supposed to be drawn to that particular individual as having a lot of credibility and the desire to um, do some of the things that that individual does. In this particular case, it's uh, to drink something that that person drinks. But the line that says at the top is, he has his wetsuits tailored. I love that line, as if that's the ultimate cool. Somebody who is so cool that they take their wetsuits in and they get them tailored. I am so at the other end of the spectrum on that. That guy I can see maybe being an ambassador from whatever country to this country or vice versa. Here I was just on the verge of being cool. A couple years ago, <laughs> I bought a pair of Chuck Taylor high-top tennis shoes. The problem was it was a crash and burn because I actually bought them to play basketball in, not as a fashion statement, and it all of a sudden is uncool to play basketball in Chuck Taylor high-tops as opposed to wearing them. So. There was about five minutes when in my house my daughter thought I was cool and then just crashed and burned again. The thought of being selected to represent someone else, I had a taste of it in high school, back when everybody did wear Chuck Taylors on the high school basketball team. I was selected as the um, team captain my senior year in high school for the basketball team. So what's great about that is that in many ways you are expected to speak the voice of the coach in matters that are taking place in the game. So if you need to speak to the ref, if something needs to be done, it's not that you call all of the plays, it's not that you uh, are the one who runs the show, the coach is still doing that, but there are moments when the captain of the team is supposed to speak on behalf of the coach. The problem with this was that the coach knew f- full well, when I was elected team captain by the other team members, that I wasn't going to play. So the, he needed somebody who was going to be on the court during the basketball game, so he changed it to tri-captains. So we had tri-captains. I got to walk out in the middle of the court before the game started, meet the other captains, hear the instructions from the refs, ask any questions, and then I marched to my spot at the end of the bench. So I was almost an ambassador on behalf of the coach but not quite. What it means to be an ambassador is to be selected to represent the place from which you're coming and where you go and serve the place where you are, the embassy becomes sovereign ground. In essence it becomes an outpost of the country from which the ambassador resides. Here is an interesting political language that Paul is using. He is speaking into a culture that is very aware of the political climate, the political structure, the power systems, that are in play. And Paul is saying, but you, you are Christ's ambassadors. As if God were making God's appeal through you. Here's what's Here's something you've heard over and over again, but I'm not sure that I ever fully get the audacity of the gospel. Jesus came, lived a life, was crucified on our behalf, resurrected. And then what seems like the most logical move never happens. For Jesus just to be resurrected to stay on this earth and set up a kingdom and show everyone his resurrection and power but instead the resurrection took Jesus to the right hand of the Father and he entrusted the good news to fishermen, and tax collectors, and bookkeepers, entrusted the good news to women who in that culture had relatively little status entrusted the good news to people with flaming tempers, crazy backgrounds, individuals who were (coughs) considered the enemy. He entrusted the good news to be shared with the whole world to a group of Jewish people? This is crazy. I have a pretty unintelligent dog. Little Ruby is a rescue dog, and the gene pool wasn't very good for this rescue dog. She's sweet, she's got some kind of a rustle in her because she can just bounce and jump and jump and jump and jump and jump and it doesn't matter if you're wearing your finest clothes or that her feet are all muddy. She just, it doesn't matter what you do, she will get the paw prints all over wherever she chooses to jump. She um, is also not very courageous at all. I I think I shared with some of you one of the great moments at the dog park that's over in Mission Bay where I took her, and if there's another dog that's anywhere near in sight, she usually runs and hides behind my legs. And this particular time, she didn't get behind my legs fast enough, and there are two Great Danes that came after her, and they just kind of lope along, and she's running full speed the opposite direction, trying to get away from them, and her hair's like in a little mohawk up her spine, panicked that these two huge Great Danes are going to get her. And then the Great Dane owner, seeing what takes place, just offers a little whistle. And these so sweet and gentle Great Danes hear the whistle turn around and just start loping back toward their owner. And I'm watching as little Ruby, thinking that somehow she has won the battle, has turned around and is chasing them, barking for all she's worth, (laughs) thinking she's finally won the battle. So if I had a message to get to all the dogs of the world, good news for all the dogs of the world, for me to think that I could entrust this message to Ruby is the same notion of the God of the universe offering for us to be the messengers of the good news. We misunderstand the Great Danes in our life, when they're coming at us, when they're going away from us. We misunderstand moments. We mess up decisions. What in the world was God thinking? We are not that billboard on Rosecrans, and neither is that guy. That's some image that gets portrayed, but The thought of us being ambassadors initially is preposterous, and yet it's the truth. Oh, God, I don't want to screw this up. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. At moments, all I know to do is maybe just jump up and down, and at other times, all I know to do is just retreat. And I think every once in a while, my efforts at being just a little bit bold come across as arrogant, or being a little bit bold come across as incredibly mealy and Misunderstood. This truth is in you, and Christ has said, I trust you. To do what? To be ministers of reconciliation. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we see the world through a new set of eyes. We now see the world through the lens of the kingdom we're representing, being an outpost of the kingdom of God, so that the embassy where we work and live and interact becomes a safe haven for those people who need a safe haven. Becomes a point of information for those who are needing information about the kingdom that we represent. For those who are looking to build a bridge of reconciliation between where they are and the place that we represent. We are the outpost and so we look at the places where we live and work through the eyes, through the lenses of the kingdom of God. It also means that as we look through the lens of the kingdom of God, we see the new order, the new creation, the new way by which God is at work. And that's exactly what it is. It's new life. It's a new community. It's a community that sacrifices oneself to try and do something for the benefit of others. It's a community that goes the extra mile. It's a community that doesn't turn away from those in need. It's a community that's not driven by power or status, but is driven by hope and love. It's a community that is formed by the boundaries and words that have been spoken by the author of that community. It is a community where love rules. It's a community that grieves with one another and rejoices with one another. It's a community that listens and looks into people's eyes and tries to see when someone is hurting. It's a community that gets outside of their own box in the areas that are most familiar to them and says, I, I want to try and see life through your lens, through your eyes, through your perspective. I, I want to hear your needs. I, I want to see if I can walk alongside of you. I don't know that I have the resources to meet all of your needs, but I do know this, I can take the journey with you. I won't pretend that they don't exist. I won't pretend that life's always easy. I won't pretend that life is always hard. It's neither one of those. I can promise you that love will keep me in the midst of the mess and will help draw us into the midst of celebration. To be an ambassador means that you know that you've been entrusted to be the ones who live out the kingdom. You're an ambassador. Again, it's crazy, but it's true. This chapter ends with this call to be an ambassador. And it says that we don't do this alone. Ambassadors never do. Ambassadors are not lone wolves. The challenge for the ambassador is to stay so in tune with the ways and directions of the kingdom that you represent that you can speak so well and so thoroughly of that kingdom that nobody is thrown off or knows the difference. It's as if they don't know that you're not the president because you carry that kind of authority. Jesus said to his followers, whoever you forgive, I forgive. And if you don't forgive then you put a roadblock in my ability to forgive. What you say and what you do is as if God is speaking through you. That's the trust that God has placed in you to represent God's kingdom. I get a little disappointed with chapter breaks and verse breaks because sometimes I feel like it Keeps us from seeing a larger context. I love verse 1 of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. Because in that verse it says, So let us not receive God's grace in vain. This is the New Testament version of the third commandment. The third commandment says, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Here it says, don't take the Lord's grace in vain. I think that they are probably the exact same commandment, just with a slightly different use of words. To receive God's grace but not to be an ambassador is to receive that grace in vain. To receive God's grace and not to have a ministry of reconciliation, to look for opportunities to build bridges is to take that grace in vain. It is to actually receive the name of God in vain. To be called a Christ Christian, to be called a Christian, is to take the Lord's name. And if we do that, then wherever we are, we are an embassy of the kingdom of God. An embassy of reconciliation. An embassy of love. A safe haven where others can come and find God. Find the same life that has been given to us. Next week you'll hear some of Jeremy's call to action. What it means to be an ambassador. What it means to step into those places in other people's lives. And one of the things that I appreciate is that he acknowledges that it's not always easy to live that way, and it's not. But to not put forth that effort is to not live into the truth and to not live into the trust that God has placed in you, and me. I know that sometimes, some of us, certainly myself, look like little Ruby, jumping up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and going nowhere. And as crazy as it is is to entrust Ruby with a message for dogs, Christ entrusted a message for all people to us. So the question is will we live into God's trust? Will we live up to the name that God calls us by? Will we become for others a vessel of the kingdom? Will we be Christ to someone else this week? If not, then we have received God's grace in vain. Father, Paul's message feels a little heavy this morning and yet it also feels like an incredible privilege it feels heavy because it feels like a bigger assignment than we could ever live up to but you promised we wouldn't do it alone that you would send your Holy Spirit to not only be in a, with us but to be in us to not only guide us but to go before us to not only pour over us, but to pour through us to others. That even in our feeble efforts, we might be your hands, your touch, your breath of life. That we might be your encouragement to someone else. That, That we might... Be your arm around somebody's shoulder. That we might be your rescuing hand. We might be your bearer of blessing. We might provide some level of hope. There are certainly times, Lord, when we've needed all of those things. And you've provided people into our life to be there at just the right moment. Father, you have placed on us a calling. We have not been called to simply come to church and to find some level of inspiration. We come to this place to worship you and to receive marching orders, the assignment. What country do you send us to as your ambassadors this week? Where is our outpost where the embassy gets established? Where do we get the opportunity to be somebody's helper, someone's friend, someone's kindness, someone's needed encouragement? Don't let us escape this morning, Lord, without taking our orders from you. And Lord, I pray that you help us to stay so connected to you that we really can be your voice. That when we speak, they might be your words. When we breathe, it might be your breath. When we touch, it might be your touch. We ask that in the name of our Lord, our Savior. Jesus Christ, who came and died and was raised into the heavenly places and who makes intercession on our behalf and who has entrusted to us this ministry of reconciliation. We thank you and praise your name, Lord. Amen.
1: to go ahead and read this psalm over us. Psalm 20, 6 through 7. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, and to know a Savior. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, and in simple faith to trust in him Yes, is we to trust in Jesus just
2: The Gospel of Mark This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest is come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the bird can perch in its shade. funny it didn't all come together for me until just now as we sing this bridge let's really sing it we're going to sing a couple verses and then get to this bridge that just says i want to take your word and shine it all around but first help me to live it lord and when i'm doing well help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory to you let's make that our prayer this morning
3: Oh Lord, you're beautiful, your face is all I see, and when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Light the fire. Oh Lord, please light the fire that once burn bright and clear replace the lamp of my first love that burns. Take your word And shine it all around First help me just To live it Lord And when I'm doing well Help me to never seek a crown For my reward Is giving glory to you Sing that out I want to take your word and shine it all around. First help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown. For my reward is giving glory to you. all I see, and when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Your grace to me I
2: don't want to leave